Hey, but it's good to be with you all this morning. I'm excited for the series that we've been in called The Work. It's all about the work that Jesus does in our lives. And because of the cross, because of his bloodshed, the freedom that we get to experience, the grace that we get to experience, it's been it's been a powerful uh, start. Pastor Tasha kicked it out of the, knocked it out of the park last week. Uh, so it's a way to set it off last week. I, yeah. Go back and watch that on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Uh, share it with your friends. It was so, so, so good. Uh, I, w- I will give you one little disclaimer this morning. I said this last night. I was preaching at a service in the city last night. Um, if you see me, see me up here limping a little bit, I'm not strutting. I'm not trying to swag out up here. I, 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 I injured myself uh, Friday night during my son's coach pitch six and seven-year-old baseball league, uh, serious business. Uh, and, and if you're wondering, we got the, w- we got the win yesterday. Uh, we did take the victory. So we don't keep score, but we, we kept score. I knew, I knew what it was, so we're, we're good. Uh, but if you see me limping up here a little bit, that's, that's the reason. Got some turf toe going on. But hey, I want to open with a scripture this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Famous scripture. It is a scripture that identifies us as believers. There's some of those There's some of those keynote scriptures in the Bible that mark us as people, that we identify with as believers. All the word is written on our heart, but there's some of them that just stand out. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. This is another one of those type of scriptures. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you this morning that your word is alive. It speaks to us. And I pray, God, this morning there would be life on life exchange, that your word would be planted in the lives of people here this morning so that it can prosper, it can blossom, it can do what it's meant to do. And all of us would walk out of this place more enriched, more blessed, but overall, more connected to you, more in love with you, desiring the things of you more than we walked in. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so I'm gonna be doing a message this morning. I've entitled Anatomy of the New, Anatomy of the New. And I wanna start with a couple of questions for you all this morning. How long is something considered new? What, what makes something new and how long is it considered new? And that, and that varies. So I went to the trusted internet source, which there are no lies on the internet. Um, if you haven't learned that in the last year, you're living a lie yourself. But h- how long does something exist as new? What, what makes it new and then what makes it stay new or how long does it stay new? I'm going to give you some examples this morning. Uh, this is a, I, I found a, a blog that had over 40 million views on this specific question. 40 million people wondered about how long something's considered new. They must be using it for something they're listing online. So here's some, here's some really practical examples. A car. I just actually got a new car this last few, few days, and so I, this one relates to me. But how, how long is a car considered new? Well, the internet says six months. Okay, so I can claim that it's a new car for about six months. A house, about a week. Oh, sorry, excuse me, about a year. Sorry, that one's wrong. A house is about a year. I was looking down the next one. A puppy, sorry to bust your bubble on this one, about two weeks. And if you've been a puppy owner, you know that thing's new for about three hours. 
and then you want to like send it back. <laughs> a phone, like all your Apple products that they've worked so hard to make aesthetically pleasing when you open. They put that film on there. You know, you know um, Steve Jobs, this is kind of trippy, but Steve Jobs said when he was creating Apple and all the products that were released, he said he wanted people to have a spiritual experience with the products. Yeesh. I mean, we all feel it a little bit when you open that, I, that Apple product and you tear that, that box open, that film that's so, so crispy and so clean. My wife always argues over who gets to like peel the, the cellophane film off. It's, it's, a, it's just a thing with us. But I would say a phone, this, one, this, one's, my, this one's my guess. A phone lasts about a week because you use it so much. You're already blasting through it. I mean, if you check your screen time, which I hate that thing, it notifies me <laughs> on Sunday mornings how long I've been looking at my screen this week. But you use it so often, the, the newness wears out quicker. An island, an island is considered new about 20 to 30 years. Okay. A galaxy, a galaxy is considered new for about a half a billion years. Okay, that makes your mind go in some weird places. A butterfly, about 30 seconds, as soon as it comes out of the cocoon. A baby, a newborn, about two months. How about, how about things that are a little deeper? How about friends? How long are friends considered new? To either do you wrong? Till the next friend suggestion comes up on Facebook? Oh, the next one, that's, that's my new friend now. We just got connected like six hours ago. I got the, I got the bell, the notification says we're, we're connected now. That's my new friend. So then the next new friend is the next notification. What about how long is your spouse new? Don't get this one twisted. This doesn't mean go get a new spouse. <laughs> what about you? How long are you new? The Bible says that we're a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. How long is your spirit new? And, and what determines the untethering of our newness? Like we've been made new, but how long? How long am I considered new? What, what determines that? When, when do you peel the cellophane film off? Does your, does your spirit get tainted? Is it, is it, is it made new in, by circumstances or is it conditional? It's a very subjective question. And I've, I've, I've worked in places, this may hit home for some people. I've, I've worked in places before where uh, the boss like always had the new puppy and I've been the new puppy before and then the next person came along and they were the new puppy and I was like, oh, I don't get the favorite time anymore. What, what happened? I was getting like taken out for lunch and I was getting ex, you know, extra, extra grace. Like what, what happened? I, I'm not the new puppy anymore. Where's, what happened? Again, what determines when your newness wears off? Is it how much you get used? How much God uses your life? Is it when you get a stain or a blemish? Like you, you became new because the blood washes over you. You've been, you've been clean. You've been made new. 
And then, and then, you, and then something comes along and, and tarnishes that. And you feel like, wait, 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 wait. I've, I'm, I'm no longer this, this crispy, clean version of the self that's made, been made brand new. I'm this, this version of myself that's not new. It's got taints. It's got stains. It's got blemishes. Like, what? Is that what makes you no longer new? Or I'll go a little bit deeper. Is it, is it when you stray from the intention of your new reality? Like you've been made new. God's put you in a new place. He's put a new spirit inside of you. And he has intentions and motives and desires and plans for your life. And you're like, yes, Lord. You're in a service and it's powerful. And you're like, Lord, I, I, I want this. Or you've, you've had an encounter with Jesus and it's so, so strong that you could never go a different direction. And then you find yourself in a different direction. You're like, am I no longer new? Am I no longer, be, am I no longer made new because I've strayed away from the purposes and the intentions that God has for me? Let me just say here this morning that all of those happen. Jesus knew that when he did what he did. He didn't extend something with conditions. You didn't have to, you didn't have to sign a long document. Like a disclaimer saying, hey, if here's all the rules, and as long as you can stay in these boundaries and not get in this boundaries, we'll be okay, and you can stay in this condition. Jesus did none of that. He, he, he did none of that. And let me, let me propose and submit to you this morning that he meant for your life to be used. He meant for you to be dispensed. He meant for you to pour yourself out. And are you supposed to insulate yourself as a believer so you don't get contaminated by the world or the experiences or sin or broken? Are you supposed to just stay in church in what we used to call a holy huddle? Are you just supposed to stay in these walls so that something doesn't come and get inside your spirit? (laughs) Yes, I love the feedback. Talk to me this morning. You're meant to bring a light. You're meant to be used. But what does that mean for your newness? The Bible says in Philippians, I love this scripture. It says that I am being poured out like a drink offering. I am being poured out like a drink offering. I'm not meant to just stay inside the safety of this sanctuary. I'm meant for my life to be dispensed so that others can witness the testimony of Jesus on side of me. One, so they can bear witness and say, wow, that person's different. But two, they can desire what I have. But let me tell you this, and this is the plot twist right here. This is, this is where Christianity hinges and offers something different that the world and everything in it could never give you. You're a paradox. You are a walking paradox. A paradox is a situation, thing, or person that combines contradictory features or qualities. How do I know that you're a paradox? Because this is what the Bible says in Colossians. Oh, this is so good. Someone's gonna catch this this morning and be changed forever. Someone's going to catch this word this morning, and you will never be the same. 
Colossians 3 says, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. So you're being used every day. Your newness is being dispensed on the world around you and the places and the people that you affect. Your newness is poured out day by day by day. But then on the other hand, the Bible says, you know what? I am continually renewed. Every day I am looking more and more like Jesus. I'm looking more and more like the one who created me. Every day I am getting continually renewed. Every day. You guys know on your phone sometimes it says automatic software updates. You're getting that every day. You are subscribed to an automatic update every single day. Jesus wants to refresh and renew you every day. So you're a paradox. You're being new, but excuse me, you're being used, but you're always new. You're being used, but you're always renewed. Always. That means you can walk through life and all of its storms and all of its trials and feel like you have no answer. You have, you're weary, you're tired, you're broken, you're frustrated. You don't know what to do. And the Bible says, and the Spirit of God comes along and says, I'll continually renew you. I'll refresh you every day, every moment. You let me in, you give me access. I'll make you new. Let me give you one of the benefits though too. Because there's more to this package. You're not just being made new to your original condition when you met Jesus. You're being made better. Every day. That says you're growing closer and closer and closer to the likeness of the one who saved you. You're getting brighter. You're shining more. You let him invade those spaces and those places in your heart, you're getting brighter along the journey. You're being made new and better. When Paul's writing this in 2 Corinthians 5 about being made new, he's speaking to believers about how they should receive other believers. Because he says, we don't, we, don't, we don't view each other according to the flesh anymore. We view each other according to the spirit. And he drops this line in there. For people have been made new if they've received Christ. He's, he's referring to how we kind of view each other and how we perceive one another. And he's saying, this old life that they walked in is no longer them. How many of you guys know sometimes it's easier to pick out a change in somebody else than a change in ourselves. Or you might be the exact opposite of that. It might be easier for you to notice change in yourself than others. You're judging other people. Or you're recognizing, hey, they're, they're messing this up. Like they should really get that right. I should really rebuke them in that because they just really, have, I've kind of championed this part of my life and they need to know from me. You become an expert in a day. Man, that's an that's a, that's a, that's a example right there in its own. I've watched some people sometimes have encounters with God for the first time, and the next week they're already experts in this place. The Bible says stay childlike. But when Paul's writing this, and he says the old is gone, 
and the new has come, what's the old? Because I've been made new, which I love that idea. I love new stuff. I love new things. I love new opportunities. I love a restart. But what's, what's no longer with me? Like, what have I shed? What have I removed? What have I erased? What have I deleted? I think some of you all this morning just need to know what's been left behind. Because some of you are trying to carry that stuff from the old. It's like carrying a dead carcass around with you. It stinks, it rots, and it weighs you down. The old is gone. What are some of those things that have been left behind? Let me give you some examples this morning. Your old identity. You are no longer that person anymore. No matter what the world, Satan, or people that think they know you try and say about you, you are no longer that person anymore. That's not your identity. Now you're learning your new identity and just like a baby, you're taking baby steps. You may fall on your face a few times because you don't know what it looks like to walk in this new identity, but you're no longer that. That person was put in the grave. That person was dead, buried, put on a cross, for eternity will never resurrect. You resurrected in a, new, in a new version of yourself, not some old version that's been refurbished. You're not a refurbished version of the old person. You are new. You know what else was left behind? A life of sin. With all of its weights and entanglements. Now, you may not feel like that's been totally released from you, but sin is a force. Sin gets inside of you. It grips you. It's like poison that's all inside of you that you've been infected with that you can't get out. It just determines every move and action that you live with. When you've been made new, gone. 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 You know what else is old and dead and gone? The power of Satan. He may try and influence you. He may try and torment you, but he has no power over you. He has no power. He has no power. And I feel like I'm supposed to say to someone here this morning, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you know. is that the enemy is trying to tell you who he has power. He's trying to tell you that he's got office and administration set up in your life that you can't do anything against. Well, I'm telling you here to say, I, I was sitting here to say this morning, that is a false narrative. That is not your story. That is not your story. And he may try and replace certain things in your life over and over again to make you feel like you're a certain thing or you're always going to be a certain way or you're never going to be new or you're never going to be living the life that God's called you to do because of X, Y, and Z. That's a lie. That is, that is, that is a lie. Some other things that are old and gone. Religious work. You can't earn God's grace. I'm sure there's some performers in the room, and I'm a recovering one. 
who thinks that you're going to make God love you or you're going to make God do good things for your life because of how good you perform. That's old nonsense. That stuff's dead in the grave. That stuff doesn't do anything. That stuff doesn't offer you any life. That just robs from you. Because you know why? You'll get tired. You'll get burned out. And you won't see the fruit you're hoping for. Because God's not going to be manipulated that way. He's not going to be coerced. He's not going to take you into a life of blessing in a way that he didn't design the way to get there. He's navigating the trip. He's leading the ship. He's going to tell you the way to get there. The Bible is filled with, in Psalms and Philippians, the path of life he determines. The path of life he determines. Another thing that's old and dead and gone is relationship with the world. This one's getting in your business a little bit. I'm sitting at your dinner table right now. I'm talking to you. This one, this one we're all subject to. Because we don't stay in here all day and every day. This is nice. This is safe. This is, this is comfy. Thank you, Lord. But the world has always got its little snares and its enticings. And it's got grips and tentacles that tries to catch you at all time. But the reality, again, is that when the world tries to do something or grab you or snatch you or put you into a place that you don't want to be, it doesn't have the authority to do so. Whether it's, it's greed, it's lust, it's, it's, it's pain, it's... You guys know the list. It's malice, it's jealousy, slander, gossip. You, you guys know the list. But when the world tries to draw you into that stuff, and it can so easily do it because we can stand sometimes on what we feel like we deserve or what we've earned or what's right to us. And this is where you've got to be drawn back to the word because that's an old paradigm. And that old paradigm is meant to keep you in old living. It's not meant to help you move forward. It's meant to keep you going backwards, living retroactively. One last one I'll throw out to you. What else is old? Thanks, Pastor Hugh. I'm grilling it up here. I'm trying, you know. You know another one that's old? Mindsets. 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 You might have been raised in a certain way. You might have been brought up a certain way. You might have lived in certain places or spaces or around certain people that made you think certain ways. The Bible calls those strongholds. You might have had certain mindsets that you live with and the way you view things, the way you filter things, the way you perceive things, the way you receive things. Those are old, dead, and gone. And I want to I testify here real quick. Or I want to speak into that. Some of you all might need to invite the Holy Spirit into those places just to help you determine whether those are healthy or not. Because the Bible has mindsets for you. It says the mind of Christ is put upon us. And you're in war sometimes between the mind of Christ and the mind of your flesh. Mindsets are old. And sometimes they've gotten so attached to you that you don't, you don't know whether they're right or wrong. 
And I'm telling you, your flesh won't be able to tell you. Only the Holy Spirit can say, this has given you life, this has given you death. You can't determine that. That's why you need believers around you too. Because you start saying some stuff and they're like, where'd that come from? You're tripping. (laughs) You just said that? You believe that about yourself? You believe that about so-and-so? You got some stinking thinking. (laughs) And you need... You need believers around you to help you see and perceive and to receive. Some of you all don't even have to receive things. Some of your mindset won't allow you to receive things. God has good things for you and you're like, I'm not worthy. I can't have that. Like all the stuff I've done, I'm just excited to be in the room. God didn't just give you a pass to be here. He gave you access to all of it. He, He... He didn't give you just admission so you could walk around and see like, wow, this is the life I could have. He didn't, he's not dangling a carrot over to you and saying this is what life could, he gave you access to it. You know that how you believe and how you have your mindset set forth, actually, it actually determines the life that you live. That you could actually get to heaven and realize how much you didn't live out or receive because of where you stayed stuck. Oh, excuse me. I'll say it like this. This is a phrase that helped me a long time ago. This isn't mine, but I'm going to use it this morning. That salvation comes at the moment you believe in Jesus. Transformation comes at the moment you realize he believes in you. He made you. He's given you the tools. He's paid the price. He believes in you. He wants good things for you. He has good things for you. Transformation comes when you realize that God believes in me. Whoa. That's stepping in some legalism territory. Some of, some of y'all with your religious mindsets are getting mad at me right now because I'm getting in your territory. But I'm telling you, God has equipped you to live the life that he's called you to live out. He's called you, he's built you, designed you, wired you to live a life of transformation. He didn't want you to stay stuck in that old nonsense. You know one other thing on this that's really, really cool is that you don't expire. You are made to last. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that eternity has been written on your heart. Eternity. Now, in this same letter where Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, earlier on, if you want to go entertain yourself and read something really good, read the first few passages of 2 Corinthians 5. He talks about this this paradox, this tension that we live in about, I live in this this body that's going to be replaced. I'm experiencing life now, but I even feel naked and exposed because the life on the other side of eternity is going to be so much fuller and so much richer. But the spirit has been made new. Your spirit is going to be last. These things that we wear, my father-in-law calls them spacesuits. they will be gone. Yes. Yes. 
And thank the Lord, because I'm tired of doing cardio three days a week. I used to do that. <laughs> but these will be gone, but you will never expire. You are meant to last. Eternity has been written on your heart. So that's my intro. The message this morning, I called the anatomy of the new. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Because this is where Jesus breaks it down about what it looks like to be new and be made new. This is where I'm going to get excited this morning. This is a famous story because Jesus encounters a man named Nicodemus. Excuse me. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, which basically meant he was a religious leader of the day. All right, so here we go. I'm going to read a little bit. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. I'm going to stop throughout these things and just talk about a couple of things. Or maybe get, maybe get real riled up and start preaching a few things. But Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night. Let me just stop right there and say something. Some of y'all feel like you've snuck into this place this morning. Just like Nicodemus, he had to find Jesus at a time that no one else would see him. Some of you feel like, hey, if some people knew I was here today, I wouldn't want to be known. Like some of you felt like you've had to sneak in this place this morning. Well, let me just tell you, even if you feel like you've snuck here, Jesus is still going to encounter you. Jesus is still going to speak to you. He still has a reason and intention. He knew you'd show up. He knew you'd be here in his word. He knew that you were going to be here. He does not, he does not, he does not care how you got in the door. Even if you feel like you had to sneak in here because of your shame and your guilt. You felt like this place was going to blow up because you walked in here. That's not going to happen. Jesus doesn't care how you got in the door. If you felt like you snuck in here tonight, today, just like Nicodemus, Jesus didn't say, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you, why are you showing up on my scene? You trying, to, you trying to hide and get in my, my business? Why is it so secretive? I don't like this clandestine meeting. He gave him truth. Yes. And said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing even if God were not with him. He's recognizing that Jesus has power on his life. Even though the life that he lives is contradictory to what Jesus is doing because he's a religious leader. And these are the ones that ganged up on Jesus and put him to the cross. But he's marveling at it. He's like, how, how are you doing this? Because you're doing miracles. You're healing people. You're raising dead. You're multiplying food. Something's on you. Some of you walked in here this morning, and you've heard of Jesus, but you've, you've been presented a Jesus that was incorrect. Maybe you snuck in here today because you had a curiosity, or maybe you're desperate. 
But the Jesus that was presented to you maybe was religious, he was judgmental, he was harsh, he was unforgiving, he was, he was unaccepting. God stepped onto the scene of humanity and Nicodemus is in attention because he knows what God looks like from the religious law. He knows the practices and the obligations and the duties it takes in order to access God. But then the son of man walks on the scene and he is in a tension. He says, I can't deny what you're doing even though for decades and centuries, this is what God is meant to look like and this is how God moves and this is what God does. But something's changed. And here you are, the son of man, performing all these miracles. My world's been shaken. Because I'm supposed to have this figured out. I'm a religious leader. I'm supposed to have this all figured out. Maybe some of you this morning that felt like Jesus was presented to you in a certain way, that you already, you already determined who Jesus was. You've already said he's this way. He's, I've, I've already made up my mind because of so-and-so who was a believer. They were a Christian. This is how they presented Jesus to me. And I've already seen how Jesus' people act. So I already know what he's all about. But something drew you here this morning. You've got some curiosity. Or maybe, again, your desperation. You're looking for something. You're so, you're so hungry for something. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm hearing something different this morning. During worship, there was a presence upon my life that's so different where I felt light, I felt lifted, I felt new, I felt hope, I felt passion, I felt, I felt love. Just like Nicodemus here, you're seeing Jesus in his true form. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I'm going to come back to that. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter, the, enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they were born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. He tells them what it looks like to be made new. You have to be born again. And again, Nicodemus is perplexed by this. He's like, I can't go back into my mother's womb, that's gross. He's like, Wait, I had to be born again? I, I, wait, I do, I've done all these religious duties, these religious laws. Like, I, He's speechless. And Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they've been born of water and spirit, unless they have been reborn. This is where it gets really good here this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Because Jesus is speaking a dichotomy right here. Jesus is speaking something that is true for one person and true for another, but true for both. That's why he's God. I can't even figure out how to work, work Siri sometimes. 
But he's speaking to one person, to another at the same time and for all of eternity. He knows that these words will live forever. But what's the point? He's saying if you want to be born again, it takes water and the Spirit. mind just wander for just a minute. Because water, this represents the decision. This is the change. This is, I am tired of that old life that has been dragging me down, that is giving me nothing but heartache. The life of sin, the mindsets, the identity, the power of the world, the power of Satan, the, the darkness that I feel, the entanglement, the weight, the sin, the guilt, the shame, all that stuff. The water, Jesus says, if you want to be born again, it's water. Now this isn't an advertisement for water baptisms. This is just talking about what Jesus is, is, is describing here. Because Jesus himself does this. It's a symbol to recognize that you've been put down underneath, it's representing the grave, you've been dropped down, you've been submerged, you've been fully covered, not you haven't, the water is clean, it's not, it's not murky water that's got contaminations of, and bacteria of all your brokenness and all your shame, that water is new, that water is purified, it's not your water, you didn't fill the tank, Jesus did, that water that you can submerge yourself down into, it cleanses you and you come out of the water as a new person. You have a new spirit and you have his spirit inside of you. All that stuff that I talked about earlier about being made new and how you function and how you live and how you do your life is given to you at the moment where you say, Jesus, I want you. I don't want this old life anymore. That's salvation. You for, Jesus, forgive me. You paid a price. I can't forgive myself. No one else can. Only you can make me new. Only you can clean my heart. Only you can wash away all the stuff. And I'm going down in an old life and I'm coming up in a new life. But the reason that that's a dichotomy, and some of you, that's your story, is you need that this morning. You need new life. You walked in here, you stumbled in here, you found your way in here some way, some sh somehow, some shape or form. You found yourself here this morning and the words that I'm speaking, they're not mine, they're his, are resonating with you and you say, I need new life. But this is a dichotomy because this applies to the rest, of the rest of the room. If you've already made that decision, how many of you guys know that you don't have to continually be baptized? You don't have to get water baptism every time you make a mistake, every time you make a fault, every time you do something wrong. Guess what? I'm not coming over to your house and baptizing your bathtub every single day when you have a problem or a mistake. I'm not coming over. You have your baptism. You've been made new in an instance, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus says you have to be baptized in water and spirit. Spirit is the one, his spirit is the one that continually baptizes you. It's the one that washes you and cleanses you every single day and every single moment. When you let him have access to your life and you say, I want your spirit to teach me, to guide me, to do inside of me what only you can do, you're, you're letting him do what God, what he meant to do when he says, I come to baptize you in water and spirit.
and you're being made new every, every day. You can reset. Because Colossians says we're being continually made new. Continual. And there will be parts of you that fight that. I know that. Because I'm not up here speaking as just a prescriber to this message, but a subscriber. I know what it's like. There's parts of me that fight this. The Bible says that it wages war on the inside of me at times. But you know what I have to do and what we all have to do is we have to give ourselves to the truth that's supreme to no matter how we feel to what Pastor Tasha said last week. There is truth that is supreme to how we feel. There is truth that is supreme to the brokenness and the carnality and the flesh and the mindsets that are inside of us. There is a truth that is supreme to that. Sometimes it doesn't always feel good. And guess what? A lot of times it doesn't because you're fighting against something. You're bringing in something that's at war with something that's on the inside of you. I want you guys to stand here this morning. And I felt like the Lord symbolically wanted some of you to make those decisions today. I want new life or I want continual new life I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute we're not going to rush this moment because this is the most important thing all of the stuff that I just spoke for the last few minutes is a setup to what Jesus wants to do in your life these are the moments where it gets personal speak to those two groups this morning just say, I, I, I want that new life I want that continual new life I want to be made new I want to be cleansed I want to be washed over I want to be I want to have this flowing through my life every day if you're here this morning and you sit and, and you resonate with that where you want you want Jesus to do something new in you, you, you've, you you've walked in here in fragments and you're fractured and you can't put it back together or, or you're just heavy or you're just carrying something that's too much I want you to just lift up your hands and say Jesus I want that new life I want that new life I see that thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you keep them up keep them up keep them up thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you keep them up if you're in that second group and you say I want new life every day I want that continual new life I want you to raise your hand I want you to raise your hand oh look at these hands look at these hands look at these hands thank you Lord thank you Lord all across this place all across this place. Thank you, Lord. Hands up everywhere. Jesus, Jesus. There's, there's a significant amount of people. And because of the significant amount of people, I don't want to miss this moment. I want, Bree, I want the worship team just to start worshiping a little bit. That fresh wind song, so, so fitting this morning. But if you've got your hand lifted, I want you to come down here. I want you to find a place at the altar. We're a church that, that celebrates these moments. This is powerful. You're making a powerful decision this morning. If you have your hand, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Keep 
coming, keep coming. Oh yeah, keep coming. Make, make your way, make room for them. If you're in their aisle, let them out, let them out. Let them out, let them out. Come on, give it up for them this morning. Give it up for people this morning. Come on, keep coming. If you're in the balcony, come on down. Keep on down, come on down, come on down. Come on down, come on down, come on down. Come on down. Come on down, come on down. And you're just saying, you're declaring this morning, I want new life. I want new life every day. That's what Jesus offers. It's the best thing you ever do. It's the best decision you'll make. You can keep coming as, this, as the band sings. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just kind of minister here for just a moment. And I, some, of our, some of our leaders just pray over these people. Well, here's what I want the congregation to do, the rest of everyone. We're gonna sing this song that says, we need a fresh wind. We need a, the, the words are so fitting this morning. I want, you to, I want you to sing those, but I want you to sing those over people this morning. I want you to declare that and just like a flood, this is just going to wash over people. And I'm going to pray this morning that the Spirit of God would do what only the Spirit of God, this morning, what He can do. So let's worship this morning. And I'm just going to interject just a couple of thoughts. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your Spirit out. Pour your Spirit out. Oh, holy
Jesus, I pray right now, as hands are open, that you just flood them with your spirit. God, that their mind, their heart, their motives, their life begins to change right now because there is a power that is operating on the inside of them. It's called the Holy Spirit. You'll be surprised by it at moments. You'll hear a voice, you'll catch a word. Something will speak to you that's rare, it's different, it's unique, it's new. His voice is coming. I prophesy right now that some of you have never experienced his voice. His voice is coming. His voice is on its way. His voice is coming. God is a God who delivers. He doesn't hold back. God is a God who delivers. Get ready to hear his voice. Get ready to, to, to encounter the living God. He's going to speak to you. He's going to wake you in the night. He's going to give you dreams. He's going to give you visions. He's going to give you words. He's going to give you thoughts. So Lord, I just pray right now. Church, extend your hands. We're going to close it up right here. We're going to go back into worship. Lord, I just thank you right now for every person here. That there is a hunger. And a better word, there is an anticipation for the things of God. Lord, we say this over and over again. We need you now more than we've ever needed you. Lord, we want you more than we've ever wanted you. That is a concert of voices in this room declaring and exclaiming that we want you more than we've ever wanted you before. We desire you more than we've ever desired you before. So God, move upon your people. Would your spirit do what your spirit can do? Lord, I speak right now what the spirit of God calls to do. This is it right here. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will lead you into all truth and he will, he, will, um, he will recall all the truth that you've been taught. So you've been covered. He will recall the truth you've been taught and he'll lead you into all truth that you don't know. So Lord, I just pray right now that the Spirit of God is gonna do what you have meant for it to do because there is a willingness, there is an openness and you, there are people that are excited to see you move upon their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's give it up for Jesus this morning. We're going to close in a song.